Well, hello and welcome to Growing Up with Papa. My name is Jason Ashley and I'm your host and Papa to about a dozen of the best kids in the world. We'll be tackling everything from bullfrogs to nursing home residents and talking about all the stuff that we've learned along the way. So if you're all grown up, then well, you know how important it is during the quiet alone times in your life to be to be able to be happy with who you are and have a peace with decisions that you've made. And you might know how tough it is to live with shame and scars because, well, you didn't have somebody to help point you in the right direction. Well, it takes a lot of love and some heavy-duty, hands-on commitment to help point kids in the right direction. And we hope you get on board and enjoy this wild ride we call Growing Up with Papa. Hey, here we are back in action, ladies and gentlemen, right here. Before we get kicked off, I'm going to tell y'all, ladies and gentlemen, that Miles Joy is looks like he's going to be the undisputed heavyweight trapping champion of the world he is smoking everybody so miles keep it up big diddy now let's kick off this session today with an informative and funny hair in the biscuit called granny's hairspray now our perception of reality is often skewed by many things the way that we perceive things is directly affected by things like how we were raised our past experiences and our current surroundings. Now, what we think we see a lot of times or what we perceive is actually very seldom exactly right and often cloudy at best. Paul wrote it this way. He said, we see through a glass darkly, implying that our perception is imperfect, but he alludes to the fact that one day we will not see just in part, but we shall know and see clearly. But while we're still flesh, we got to understand that even though we think our viewpoint is exactly right, we can and are blinded or partially blinded by things such as love, anger, hate, jealousy, prejudices. Now, children are especially driven by carnal motives and blind to pureness because they haven't experienced life's cruel ways of teaching lessons through mistakes. That's why this often repeated term on here is up to us, point them in the right direction. The Word of God is our eyeglasses to help us see rightness and reality. So today we're going from this hair and the biscuit true story of Granny's hairspray to a fun story with boots and the rubber bandit eating things that they think is good. And Mama Bandit's got to come and rescue them. And then on to a horse feed that might change your perception about a promise from God. Whoa, Boots. When you hear that sound, that means it's time for hair and a biscuit. That's right. Just a little something you wasn't expecting that we're going to pull out and check out before we go any further. All right, get ready, Boots. Here we go. Hair and a biscuit. Somewhere around 1983. My great-grandmother, Golda Randall Poole, moved into a trailer next to my mama and papa until she died in 1985. Now, they moved her nearby so that my mama could take care of her because she had become blind in the last years of her life. Now, I've got another ancestor, a great-great-great-grandmother, who lived to be 104-ish, who died in about 1930-something. Now, she was blind... 
and there's several intriguing stories about her and one in particular about her blindness, but we're going to save that for another episode. But today, this hair in a biscuit, I'm going to tell you about an incident that I thought was hilarious. And it happened because Granny was blind. Her name was Golda. Now, we called her Granny, and most of the old folks called her Golder. Her husband, Papa Welby, passed away in December of 1982. So there was Granny living next door to Mama and Papa, and I spent the night with them every weekend. And we'd pick up Granny and take her to church. Now, this particular Sunday morning, Papa pulled the car close to the doorsteps, and Granny came out on the top step with her dark shades on. Mama got out of the car and went and helped her down the steps into the back seat right next to me. And the unmistakable strong smell of raid bug spray hit me in the face. When everybody got settled in, we got going. Granny yelled above the road noise, Redder? My mama's name was Loretta. She said, Redder, do you smell Skeeter dope? And my mom replied, well, yeah, Mama, I wasn't going to say anything, but I smell it. To that, Granny replied, I guess I grabbed that can of bug spray instead of hairspray this morning. <laughs> and that was it. Papa couldn't hold it any longer. He busted out laughing while Mama tried to convince her that it wasn't that strong and nobody would probably notice. And I couldn't wait to get to church to tell my cousins that Granny sprayed her hair down with Raid. <laughs> now, Granny's perception was altered by glaucoma or macular degeneration or, or whatever caused her to be blind. And Mama had already been over there that morning and helped her get ready and fixed her hair. But Granny thought she needed a little extra hair protection. So she felt around on the bathroom cabinet and grabbed what felt like a can of white rain. You know, often what feels right ain't right. Or what we think we see is dimmed by a dark glass, and we need a leader who can see clearly to apply the protection. Now, y'all listen close to a funny life lesson that we can call Better Let Mama Bandit Do the Cooking. His eyes popped open early Saturday morning. It was one of those beautiful Saturdays on Rubber Bandit's farm when it's a little cool outside. The birds are chirping and the fish are flopping in the river and the new grass is starting to grow in the pasture. All the things that make your tummy growl and make you really hungry for a good hot breakfast. Boots looked across the new green grass in the luscious pasture, and his stomach growled even louder. But way past the green, green grass, on the other mountain, he saw Mama Bandit's house. And he remembered that Mama Bandit had told him not to eat the new green grass because it might make him sick. You see, the first things to start growing out of the springtime soil is not grass at all, but weeds, tempting enticing, magnetic weeds that look scrumptious, but they're not good for a horse's tummy. And the bad thing about it is that you can't tell the difference between good grass and bad weeds. 
until they grow up bigger. And Mama Bandit didn't want to take care of a sick rubber horse. He and Rubber Bandit had up inches to leap and Cowboy Stew to meet and eat. So Boots nudged the sleeping bandit, hoping he would rouse up and cook a good hot horsey breakfast. But Rubber Bandit didn't move. He just kept snoring away. So Boots yanked the cover off the balled up bandit. But he just kept snoring. Then Boots let out a big... <laughs> but the Rubber Bandit slumberer kept right on snoozing. So Boots cocked his bionic leg back and with a great and a mighty swooped, it's a Rubber Bandit out of bed. The bandit hit the floor with a cowboy pump. Rubber bandit said, Oh, what in the world wrong with you, Boots? Oh, can't you see I'm getting my bandit beauty rest? <laughs> oh, you hungry, huh? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a little famished myself. Getting over to them offenses uh, is hard work. And I tell you what, I got a hankering for a big cowboy breakfast. Uh, let me call Mama Bandit and see if she can whoop us up a big old heap of vittles. So Rubber Bandit dialed the love of his life. And it rang. And it rang. And it rang. But Mama Bandit didn't answer. Oh, Mama Bandit ain't answering. Oh, we're going to starve to death, Boots. So they moaned and groaned and wandered around on the floor, and right before they expired, the rubber bandit had an idea. I got an idea. I know what we can do, Boots. Well, I can cook a cowboy breakfast. I'm sure he ain't nothing to it. Well, I'll just stoke the fire and rattle some pans and stir up something scrumptious, just like Mama Bandit. Now, now, get out of my kitchen while I cook the world's best breakfast yet. So, Boots trotted off into the pasture while the rubber bandit got busy building breakfast. Boots walked along, smelling the springtime flowers and watching the flopping fish, and his tummy kept growling more and more. Then, all of a sudden, he saw some green, green grass that looked so luscious. His mouth watered and his stomach sounded like Cowboy Stew's big bull behind the uh fence. It looked delectable, delightful, exquisitely heavenly. Boots decided that a little nibble wouldn't hurt anything. Why, what if this wasn't weeds at all, but fresh green grass? So he snuck over to the pretty patch and... Oh... It was so good, he couldn't stop. He gobbled away at the greenery like a rubber vacuum cleaner. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, uh, let's see, I think Mama Bandit uses this here. Uh, dawn. Hey, hey, that's what time it is. This must be for eating at the crack of dawn. So he squeezed half a bottle of the blue soapy liquid into a big cast iron pot. Oh, and uh, here's some lye sole. Uh, uh, it must be soul food or lye sole. I don't know who Saul is and what he's lying about, but this does smell lemony. A little bit of this and a lot of that. And what's this stuff? Oh, looks like breakfast to me. 
And the rubber bandit stirred and mixed and added everything in the kitchen right down to the bag of cat food under the cabinet. There, that ought to do it. This will be the best cowboy breakfast north, south, east, west of Waffle House. Boots, come and get it! Now, Boots had his head deep into a pile of early spring stinkweed. Hearing Rubber Bandit and not wanting to get in trouble for chomping the unknown grass, he quickly trotted toward the house. But on his way, he started feeling a little queasy. His tummy rolled and sweat came on his big rubber forehead. Boots, oh, come on in here, Boots, and whoo, lordy mercy, your breath stinks, Boots. Well, did you brush your teeth this morning? Boots was starting to feel really sick now. He ran as fast as he could to the outhouse and shut the door. Well, uh, I guess when you gotta go, you gotta go. But you're missing out on the world's best cowboy breakfast, Boots, and I ain't a-waiting on you. Now, Rubber Bandit got a big bowl of the conglomeration and sat down at the table and gobbled away. Mm, this ain't too bad. Mm, kind of makes me want to... It wasn't long until the Rubber Bandit was feeling sick, too. He laid out on the floor and moaned and groaned, and about that time... There was a knock at the door. Rubber Bandit, Boots, are y'all home? I've made your favorite breakfast. And Rubber Bandit, Boots! Mama Bandit rushed inside and set the delicious breakfast on the table alongside Rubber Bandit's bowl of gross goulash. What in the world is this? Rubber Bandit, have you been trying to cook? I told you to leave all the cooking to me. You don't have a clue what makes a good meal. And Boots, oh, I smell your breath. You've been eating stinkweed, haven't you? I told you not to eat anything green in the spring unless I was there to show you what is good. You boys will have to make some medicine. And with that, Mama Bandit went to the cabinet and got a big bottle of sticky, stinky, Awful-tasting castor oil. Here, you boys drink this. You'll be better by noontime. From that day on, Boots never munched on springtime grass without Mama Bandit telling him what was good to eat. And Rubber Bandit swore he'd never cook again until he took some lessons from Mama Bandit. Oh, I ain't got time for lessons. Cooking lessons ain't for cowboys. I'll just... Uh, I think I'll learn what's good next time before I start chunking stuff in the pot. Uh, Boots, are you finished in the outhouse? Hurry up, because I'm rooting this to this sickest cowboy. Oh, Sal, he's the virgin kid. When you hear 
that sound, that means we fixing to kick open the feed barrel and dig around a little bit. Because there's more in there than just horse feed. <laughs> Once upon a time, a long, long time ago. Nah, not really that long ago. Just a few months ago, I was asked to write an article for the Together magazine, the WPF quarterly publication. And uh, what was on my mind at the time is what I'm about to read to you is uh, a promise from the Word of God. And I feel like I got a little bit of insight, and maybe it's just uh, my ideas, but I'd like for you just to listen in and see what you think about the promise that the Word of God gives to us about training up a child. Long before the days of computer programming and spreadsheet formulas, the infallible Word of God gave us many conditional statements that promised specific results for certain actions. One of the most popular if-then statements quoted often from Proverbs 22 and 6, promises that our children will not depart from the way in which we train them up. Being a children's minister with fervor to see intense investment come to fruition, I have stood on this promise for years, only many times to see the seeds that I thought were planted in good ground be choked, withered, or devoured by the weeds of this world. Now, we've all seen valiant efforts from passionate parents and intense teachers have various effects on the growth of our precious children. The fact is that the end results of our interpretation of training are not always successful. Knowing God always keeps His Word, I did some research on the commandment with, with the added promise, keeping in mind that the diagrammed subject understood you is the only imperfect party in the prescription. The result of my research has given me a fresh approach to the verb phrase, train up, in the scripture, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I found some Bible commentaries state that stated that the Hebrew verb form for train in this specific verse translates into a word that means to chew up, masticate, to make palatable, or able to be digested. So if the intent of the writer is anywhere near this definition, then I can see how Proverbs 22 and 6 is an unfailing formula for fostering our future. The method of a mama during the days the scripture was written for feeding her infant solid food was to take the life-sustaining substance and personally bite, chew, and chomp it to break it down to a condition that her child would be able to get it inside them so that it can do its job of providing nutrients for growth, health, and building immunity. So what if we as parents and teachers and department leaders would view our mission of training as the spiritual equivalent of engaging in the most effective method of ensuring that the bread of life ultimately gets inside our children in a condition that they can digest so that it will become part of them? What if our perspective of Proverbs 22 and 6 was one of a nurturing parent who is dedicated to frequent and sufficient chewing of spiritual meat and then feeding what we have broken down to our hungry infants? What if we, like nurses of newborns, spent extra time with the parts that are hard to swallow but necessary for progress and maturity? This concept definitely puts more emphasis on the personal responsibility of the parents and leaders. We must be intimately involved to assure that the vital victuals of eternal life are introduced into the hearts of the ones we lead. Now, we wouldn't toss a steak to a toddler and expect them to ingest it. 
Neither should we just take our children to church and Sunday school without spending special time and effort to ensure that they are getting the goods in their gullet. Viewing our responsibilities from this angle magnifies the importance of the extra effort that we can invest in our children. Gnawing gristle and chewing crust before placing it into the mouths of toothless tots sounds a lot like premier Sunday school programs, pre-prepped object lessons, practiced puppets, crazy skits, and apostolic Bible quizzing. We can see the importance of the little things that seemingly go unnoticed. When we decorate Sunday school rooms and dress up in goofy costumes and hold nightly verse reference cards, we're making the extra effort to help ensure that the baby's food is easier to swallow. But the result of not departing and staying in the church is not predicated on our method of mastication. The keeping power does not lie in the quality of our process or the fervency of our feeding. The promised result, the then in the if-then statement, the guarantee of the conditional formula lies in the power of the word. See, without God in the equation, we're still just hoping for the best. So the reason that this is a factual statement and a guaranteed promise lies solely in the powerful influence of the living word. The undeniable fact is that the word of God, when firmly planted inside a human heart, will produce growth, development, and direction in that person. So let's train up our children, not so much with directions from the sidelines or instructions from a finger-pointing position, but with provisions that have been personally prepared and meat that we know is as pleasant as possible because we took the time and the effort to ensure it. Chew on it until it's easy to swallow. The results are guaranteed. In light of this interpretation of training up by chewing up, I wrote this song and sung it at a Bible quiz tournament, and I'd like to sing it right now. So listen close to the words of this song. See if you can get something out of it called Feed Me. He looked up at mom and daddy In his hand an empty plate He said, I'm really hungry And that fresh bread smells so great So his daddy cut a big old slice And with a smile he said, thank you His mama hugged him tight and said That's what parents do Feed me mom Feed me, Dad I don't know what's good for me And I don't know what's bad I want to grow into the special place Where God wants me to be It all depends on the bread of life That you place inside of me leaders with a Bible in his hand a mighty soldier in the kingdom leading a strong and mighty band he said thank you mom and daddy and my teacher in Sunday school you've placed his word inside my heart cause that's what leaders do feed me mom and feed me dad Cause I don't know what's good for me And I don't know what's bad 
I want to grow into the special place where God wants me to be. It all depends on the bread of life that you place inside of me. How can I grow in a world filled with immorality? How can I eat without a leader feeding me? Feed your child life-giving bread Cause some things are hard to swallow And the enemy wants them dead Let them grow into the special place That God has prepared it all depends on the bread of life with them that you have shared.